From Chicago, welcome to Three Degrees Discussions. I'm your host, Mike Vasquez. This is a podcast devoted to the stories behind the innovators, entrepreneurs, and leaders in the 3D printing industry. About a year and a half back, I got introduced to this, um, I think they wouldn't mind me putting their name out there, volunteer aerospace out of Knoxville, Tennessee. A shout out to them to, you know, being an early adopter and a visionary in this, that they wanted some, they wanted a, a process monitoring system. And he handed me an uh, industrial optical camera and said, look, if you can just give me layer by layer pictures, a good high resolution pictures, that'll be a win in itself. I don't even, you know, at this point need a yeah, AI to tell me anything. I said, can do that and can do a lot more than that. So, so that was very useful and very helpful because we were able to collect data, we were able to get started. That was SK. SK is the founder of AdiGuru. AdiGuru is an artificial intelligence-based real-time monitoring solution that aims to significantly improve the defect detection rate for the additive manufacturing of parts. He has significant experience in product management, strategic planning, product launches, and working with cross-functional teams. He joins the show today to, to speak about in-situ monitoring for 3D printing, both the challenges and the opportunities. SK also brings his perspective on starting a business just before the pandemic. SK, welcome to the show. Why don't we get started with telling the audience a little bit about how you got into the additive manufacturing space and specifically how did the idea for your company start? Sure, uh, Mike, thanks for having me here. Really excited to be in this podcast. Additive manufacturing is uh, layer by layer um, joining of these layers together, right? So I actually have a lot of experience in welding and joining technologies, doing predictive analysis for that. I worked at EWI for many years from 2000 to 2009. I had a medical device startup soon after that in which we used additive manufacturing for our prototype parts. And, uh, you know, so I've been involved or known much about this industry uh, all through my career. And, um, you know, so, so, I came across this idea of uh, starting a company to do real-time monitoring of additive manufacturing processes a couple of years ago, uh, where um, one of my mentors, Dr. Suresh Babu, he's at Oak Ridge National Labs and University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and he's at the National Science Foundation and the National Science Board as well now. So uh, we um, we were chatting and, uh, you know, he, he brought up that hey, industry really needs a practical and affordable solution uh, and you have a lot of experience and entrepreneurial skills are you interested in something like this and I looked at it uh, then I you know really started digging into it and realized there's a huge need in the market and I went to a couple of conferences talked to quite a few people realized a lot of people are working on it but a lot of work that is also going on has been going on in the direction which will take a long time to come to fruition whereas the need of the market was imminent so that's where I realized we could we could create a very affordable and practical solution and uh, go after the low-hanging fruit and help the industry. And that's why I started this company in 2019. And so let's kind of dive right into it. So what does AdiGuru do? What, like what, what specifically does the, the software do? Yeah, so AdiGuru overall as a company, our goal is to 
do real-time monitoring for additive manufacturing processes. Uh, we are creating it as a tech, uh, platform technology where it's not just focused on one process, but it is focused on, it helps the different processes. Um, and the idea is to use sensor data like uh, camera, optical sensors, infrared sensors, uh, gas flow sensors, and other sensors combined with deep learning, artificial intelligence, physics-based modeling, and obviously our process insight and material science knowledge and bring it all together to identify these re defects real time, like within one second of when a defect occurs. And that can be very powerful in the long run, right? So, so that's what we are doing. And we started with the DMLS process or direct metal laser sintering process first um, for various reasons. One, the value of a, pro of a solution like this will be very high to that. And then soon we started getting a lot of pull from the market about FDM process. And the value per machine is lower of, a pro of something like this, but the volume is very high there. So, so we are now addressing FDM as well, using optical cameras first. And then our next step is to include other types of sensor data and bring it all together. And obviously then we'll go after other DED um, processes, plastic SLS plas uh, processes, and, and bioprinting and other things as well. And so the idea is that if you can capture some sort of defect, define it with the camera and the vision system, and then future other sensors, you have this kind of um, target range that the printer can, can operate then. And if something happens, you're the first to know you are able to then what modify, um, notify the machine, notify the operator, what, what, ha what's kind of the, the action that would be taken after. Kind of yes. Yes. So, so yeah, I definitely miss that. Right. Uh, so that's the whole idea is that as soon as your defect is identified, it notifies the user that some, you know, something's wrong. And as, um, and as you're more like based on dependent, depending on the defect identified, it can really ping the user in a certain way and help them take an action. And in the long run, as the accuracy of our defect detection increases, and if there's a possibility of interfacing with the machine to do a closed loop, you can you can take certain actions like pausing machine. For example, if grid quarter streaking is occurring and software is more than 99% confident that it's happening, it can send a message to the machine to just pause it and also send a message to the user saying the machine's paused because your quarter streaking is happening, your, your quarter might be getting damaged, so you might want to take a look real quick. Uh, that way it could really help the, the machine and the user, right? So, so th those are some scenarios. But um, yeah, you know, obviously closed loop is what the industry wants in the long run. But what I call closed loop is like self-driving cars. It's uh, it's been promised to us for for many years, but we haven't gotten it yet. So we'll get there. But could we just get a car to be driven on a highway you know, by the AI? And can we get there first and go one step at a time? And that's what we are trying to do. And I imagine too, as you start to work with industry, you probably see a wide range of users who are ready to adopt this sort of technology. I imagine they need to have some sort of understanding of their process and what DMLS is or FDM 
to a lesser extent, is probably more understood than DMLS in terms of just operating the machines and having tacit knowledge of, of, of designs and things like that. But as you get further into your analysis and the value that your software is creating, um, what do you hear from users as kind of other benefits that, that you would be able to provide by having some of this knowledge of kind of where defects might occur or when they might likely occur? Yeah, I think uh, uh, one is an immediate advantage, right? You you stop a failed print sooner rather than later, and you obviously save a lot of time on the machine. You save a lot of money for the material as well as other other aspects. You know, right? Um, you can save a machine from getting damaged. Build's going to cost seven thousand dollars or something to run. So if you are able to stop right. in the first few layers, you're that's real pay for right. itself, right? <laughs> And then also you generally sometimes won't even know till it's gone for CT scanning that there's something wrong, right? So could you also save that money? So that that is one aspect. The other is you're absolutely right. Uh, it provides you more insights. Um, it learns. Uh, it increasing your it increases your uh, learning um, of what's going on in the process. Uh, you can also if there is some failure that's happening, you will also see what is happening and you can also correct it much better rather than it being, oh, something failed and you're guessing. You'll be, the guesswork will be eliminated. And that will further improve the parameter development and and the speed of, um, you know, just overall efficiency will increase. And as you've kind of developed the concept and kind of the understanding of the processes, what are some challenges that kind of you didn't expect to kind of overcome as you first kind of started this company and kind of getting the software out and, and moving along? Well, the challenges are a typical startup challenge, <laughs> you know, and then on top of that, uh, it turned out to be, when I started the company was in 2019, economy was doing really well. It was one of the best times to start the start a company. It certainly in March, it turned out to be one of the worst times to have a startup company. <laughs> especially if you haven't paid anything uh, to yourself or any of employees in 2019 because you couldn't even take a, advantage of all these PPP loans and others that were out there. So, so yeah, it was, uh, it was a challenge, but, uh, you know, uh, challenges sometimes bring opportunities as well. Um, one is I was able to hire good talent for not paying a lot of money. Uh, another is I was able to bring in some talent which if not for pandemic, they would not have been available. Um, and um, so, so you know, there's a silver lining to it as well. But, uh, but yeah, you know, obviously pandemic is a challenge, but, um, but other challenges are, you know, how do you collect data? That is a big, big problem. And because these are half a million dollar or, or more machines, right? So you have to collect data, then you have to analyze data. So, so that is a big cycle um, that you want to get inserted in. Once you're in, then you can keep collecting data and keep improving it. And that's why we designed the software so that we are dynamic. We are we are taking ingesting data in our software every month and we are improving our putting out our improved models every month so that our customers can get incremental benefit right away rather than having to wait three months or six months or just a one time release of a software. And when you're doing some of this 
testing and at different sites, do you ever um, purpose, like if you're, say you're doing a DMLS build and uh, out of metal, and would you ever kind of purposely put in defects into parts so, to see that you're, you're, that the software works? Yes. Yeah, so, so till actually till date, we have not done those kind of builds yet. But we are we got a couple of uh, research awards, and part of those research awards will be that we'll be putting defects. breaking some stuff, but deliberately, right, right, so that we can see the data, we can get the data, and correlate the data. Um, but we have some access to some data where are working with some companies who have been, you know, um, really interested. There have been early adopters, so very thankful to them, and hopefully we are bringing a lot of value to them as well um so yeah you know as as our algorithm they give us more data we we train our models and it helps them um, as well right so there is a but but yeah so to answer your question is deliberately putting defects will be happening soon awesome and so tell me how like so you've got this company you started it kind of late 2019 and like how do you what were the first conversations like with some of your early partners and, and getting people to try and test it? How, how, what was your approach to convincing them? And like, Hey, like you should um, work with this guy and he's got some cool stuff to, to offer. What were, yeah. give me a little insight on that. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny. It's uh, reminding me of, um, you know, about a year and a half back. It's, you know, I got introduced to this, um, I think they wouldn't mind me putting their name out there, volunteer aerospace out of Knoxville, Tennessee. A shout out to them to, you know, being an early adopter and a visionary in this, that they wanted some, they wanted a, a process monitoring system. And he handed me a, a industrial optical camera and said, look, if you can just give me layer by layer pictures, a good high resolution pictures, that'll be a win in itself. I don't even, you know, at this point need a, yeah, AI to tell me anything. I said, can do that and can do a lot more than that. So, so that was very useful and very helpful because we are able to collect data. We were able to get started. Um, getting started is very important in a startup um, because if you are just struggling to get started, you don't find a way to go, go to the next level. So, so definitely that was very helpful and hopefully we have been able to provide them, you know, with a lot of value. So, um, so that was our starting story that, you know, uh, that, you know, there was first time when I was collecting pictures, I had put a camera on and I was clicking by mouse myself after every layer to collect the right picture. <laughs> and then um, now we have developed an intelligent imaging system where, it, it, you know, AI and computer vision uses and uh, collects a picture on its own whenever the recorder moves, uh, the right pictures at the right times are collected. And, 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 you know, we are, AI is now detecting issues in the powder bed. And so early on, when you were kind of first describing the company, you, you mentioned that some of the existing solutions or approaches that are being taken in the industry historically mm -hmm. will take a long time. Um, and my kind of understanding, and it's not, certainly not as, as detailed as you, is that one of the challenges with kind of doing layer by layer analysis is that there's a lot of layers and <laughs> that's a lot of data that you have to, to deal with. If you imagine a DMLS build or something that you could be, it could be a terabyte of data that you have at the end of each build. And, and how do you 
effectively handle open transfer before getting to be able to use that information in an actionable way? Like, how do you kind of, I guess that's a couple of questions wrapped in one, but kind of what, yeah, what yeah, are yeah. your, what are your thoughts on that? So I'll, I'll tell you this one, one reason I started this company was uh, a lot of people were not using just pure optical layer by layer. Um, they were going down deep into, or people still are, and that's a valid research. I'm not saying it's not because that can be very useful, but people are looking into melt pool. Um, melt pool is great. You can look into it, but I have done melt pool modeling of welding, which is a much slower process than, you know, laser moving at a more than a meter per second or sometimes, you know, it's pretty fast and, and monitoring such a small weld and spatter is, is a tough task. And you're generating a lot of data and you're saying terabytes of data. Yes. An inch of, if you're doing multiple monitoring and an inch of uh, build could be a terabyte of data, which is huge. And if you're not providing value and notifications to a user, it's, it's, you know, it's actually a burden to them. Um, so, so that's one thing is we said, we'll go after layer by layer monitoring. We'll monitor everything at a layer level rather than, you know, layer means once a layer is done, um, at that level rather than, uh, you know, millisecond level or, <laughs> or microsecond level. So, so that reduces the amount of data collected and also gives you time to analyze the data and give out results pretty quick. So, so you, you know, still it's a lot of data. For example, uh, with our system, um, a three day build will be like 30, 40 gig, gigabytes of data, right? So, so yes, that's a lot of data. If you have 10 machines and they're working, you know, pretty much all the time, which you wanted to, then you're generating terabytes of data per year. Um, so what do you do with that? What we actually have done is we have come up with a unique compression algorithm, which takes these layer by layer data and compresses it by 90%. So after you, let's say after you make a, made a build, you looked at the results, everything is good. You know, after 10 days or 15 days, you're probably not going to go back look at the data. And you, you know, then you click decompress or it can automatically decom start decompressing. It takes a few, uh, sorry, com click compress and you, you know, it starts compressing. And in a few minutes, it's compressed and reduced by 90. So your 30, 30 gigs become three gigs. And that's a huge, huge positive um, aspect for this industry. So that, that is another uh, innovation that we have. We haven't patented. We are keeping that trade secret right now. But uh, we can, but yeah, I think that can be huge help as well. And you said you're also doing FDM. What are some of the different kind of challenges that you see in in the FDM space versus the metal space where you started? Yeah, so FDM space is uh, different in terms of FDM. You cannot. There are some things happening. Like you need different kinds of hardware. Uh, one is you cannot put an expensive, you know, thousand, two thousand dollar camera on a twenty thousand dollar machine because then it becomes ten percent of the cost of the machine, right? Um, uh, and then, uh, so how can we use uh, uh, lesser expensive cameras um, and lesser expensive hardware, but still high resolution cameras to get our um, get good quality predictions? The other is what can, else can we do in terms of um, you know what to detect defects in FDM? Your nozzle head is in the way, so you, you when if you're taking a picture from the top, 
you know, it's difficult to do that. So what else can you do with a horizontal angle or different kinds of angle? Um, those are the issues. And then obviously the defects are different types, right? You know, you have uh, stranding or spaghetti formation. You have uh, other things like, um, uh, you know, like nozzle clogging, which is totally different than what could happen in DMLS type of process. So those are challenges, but we are addressing them uh, one at a time. Overall, the, the, the commonality is that platform is there, notifications are there. We are, you know, the dashboard is similar. Um, so we can leverage a lot of what we have already developed for DMLS to FPM. The AI algorithm changes for sure, um, but uh, other, other things stay in place. And you you mentioned before that you did a lot of work in kind of traditional welding and kind of industrial manufacturing that wasn't 3D printing focus as you've kind of transitioned mm-hmm. to the industry and started to learn some of the, or kind of dove kind of straight into the deep end of, of the technology. What are some of your kind of more general high level observations of how the 3D printing industry as a whole is, is moving forward and, and what are the challenges ahead? Uh, 3D printing, the biggest challenge is it's, uh, you know, obviously still very nascent industry and the processes, there are so many new processes, right? People are doing so much new research, you know, every day you look, there are new processes or variations of processes out there. So there are a few things out there, right? Uh, Some of processes are similar and, and also new companies come out. Actually, one thing I've noticed in the industry is the companies, uh, the equipment makers or the machine makers, they are they start off with very closed system, and that actually is not good for the industry and difficult for adoption. One is whenever a new system comes out, universities want to buy it to do research on it, and if you have a closed system, universities have a tough time extracting data and doing research. So you know you are actually hampering yourself. The other is even when a, a, a user buys it, and uh, early adopters are going to be very well-educated, like masters, PhD level people running machines. In the long run, yes, technicians will run it. But when people who are who understand the process very well, if it's open and can help them make changes, it actually helps the industry as well as helps the process. So I think the way new machine makers, if they start entering the market, slightly differently, especially for the new processes, I think that'll help those processes, those companies, as well as the whole industry more. But the the speed of adoption is amazing, right? It's 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 just growing leaps and bounds every every day. Leave <laughs> alone every month or every year. Absolutely. Yeah. It's every day you read something new, new technology, new material that, that comes out of the market. Yeah, and and you you are doing a lot of consulting in this area, so I'm sure you see even a lot more than I do. <laughs> and I guess kind of diving a little bit deeper onto to that point. So, do you see some of the traditional players, the big players in the industry, being more closed and the new ones more open, or is it kind of a, a transition? What any specifics on kind of challenges that you've seen with between DMLS or FDM or, or technologies with within the platforms of, of being able to work within platforms? Uh, the MLS, it's, 
Well, the MLS uh, FTM is obviously a lot more mature, right? You know, because it's been around for a lot longer, and uh, polymers are a little bit easy and uh, um, to handle, and lower temperatures also help sometimes, right? And so, so yeah, it's uh, and then FDM is, is a, there are a lot of companies producing different kinds of machine and different levels of machine. So I, you know, like I have a three hundred dollar FDM printer at home, but. I can't put industrial parts on it, <laughs> and uh, uh, but um, you know, and but you can buy a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollar FDM printer as well to print very good parts. So it's it's amazing uh, to me that the same technology has such a wide variation and such a wide adoption. Uh, one thing, a negative thing comes out of that is a person who's not involved with the industry does not know what an FDM, you know, a high quality FDM is as compared to low quality FDM. And it all becomes all based on their one or two time experience. But uh, compa comparing, it's, it's I don't know if it's fair to compare different processes within additive manufacturing because there are a different stage and, uh, and addressing different materials and, uh, and would be used for different types of parts. Um, so it's tough to compare, but you know, DMLS obviously uh, on metal side, DMLS is one of the more mature processes than any other ones, right? Or at least popular ones. So, cold spray people might come and challenge me saying, hey, that is the best. But DMLS people might come back and say, no, that is better. But it depends which metal it is, which part you're making, what is the parts going to be used for, and things like that. And kind of as a small business owner, entrepreneur, um, what advice would you give people who are kind of starting their journey along kind of both added manufacturing, but maybe more generally in terms of, of starting a company with an idea in a growing, growing industry? Yeah, I think uh, as a, as a I, this is my technically a third startup. My, you know, first one I killed pretty quickly, realizing it's not going to be a huge company. Um, I could have made it into a services company, or I would have made apps for people, but uh, I decided not to do that. <laughs> but um, so, as a startup, you have to be able to, you know, be really involved with that. You really think that's going to help the industry. Um, if you are doing just to say, okay, I'm going to just doing this to make money that may not work out in the long run uh, because you know most of the startups fail just statistically speaking and most um, and a lot of ideas don't pan out so another thing is be ready to switch be keep your eyes and ears open and and be ready to work hard so and and if it's just purely for money then it's going to be difficult right right and so going in, we're kind of at the start of 2021. Um, 2020 was an interesting year for, for everybody. Um, what are you excited about and looking forward to in the year ahead? Yeah, I think uh, things uh, hopefully will start picking up. Uh, and overall, you know, it's it's all good. I think it's, it's um, you know, obviously, elder manufacturing wise, has, elder manufacturing has got a lot of, positive um, publicity because of you know being able to make PPE and being able to make face shields and other things uh, especially America mix did a really fantastic job in, in you know working with NIH and other things uh, 
face masks and other things as well. So a uh, lot of good positive publicity. So definitely more uh, knowledge is out there uh, with people that you know this process exists and can be very useful. And and you know various companies and government agencies have realized it's supply chain wise this is an amazing process. Let's figure out what to do with it. So there is a huge positive push. There was a huge positive push and huge huge growth prior prior to this, but it's even probably going to be you know, rate of growth will be higher. So that is exciting. From our company standpoint, definitely you know uh, we are seeing a lot of interest from process monitoring standpoint. And as I mentioned before, you know, we are um, getting a lot of uh, good pull from the market. So we are excited about it and see how, how where it takes us uh, in the, you know, Q2 and Q3. Fantastic. And we were talking a little bit off air that maybe we'll see each other at, at AMUG down in, in Florida in, in May. So knock on wood, yeah, hopefully yeah. things progress in the, in that direction. So, um, SK, I appreciate your, your time today and, uh, best of luck and, in the coming weeks and months ahead.